say thanks Cause your haters what gave me the strength So let them pick race Cause I came in 5'9 But I feel like I'm 6'8 This one's for you and me Living out our dreams We're all right where we should be Alright, no intro needed Canada's Pinball Podcast Episode 598 Ben Heck, let's roll it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome back to the show one of our most frequent guests, a man who has maybe seen one episode of Ultraman, Mr. Ben Heck. Ben, welcome. Yeah, uh, I think I remember it being on reruns on Fox back in the 80s when they didn't have anything. Do you remember when it was a new TV channel? Yeah, did you ever watch Ultraman growing up? I know a lot of people have been sort of wondering where it was. And I mean, it's an old show from 66. What, what's your relationship with this theme? I've heard of Ultraman. I mean, I know what it is. Uh, I don't follow. That's not technically anime. That's basically uh, Power Rangers for boomers, right? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I know. I know it's a popular uh, Japanese thing. Uh, th- there was a TV show. You said it went back to 66. I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah, 1966 was when it first started airing. Mostly in Japan, though. I, I don't think in America it was big back then. But I think people grew up with it in the 70s and early 80s. So I missed it. I never saw it on TV. Ben, let's start here. What did you think about Spooky's incredibly successful launch of Ultraman and Halloween? Like, What were your just thoughts on that day? Well, I'm surprised Ultraman did that well. I think a lot of people are. <laughs> Maybe not Charlie, but uh, yeah, I mean, yes, as I mentioned, um, I knew what Ultraman was. I know a lot of people, you know, of course, a lot of people saw the game before it was announced, and a lot of the feedback was, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, but as far as my, I think it's really cool. Um, of course, now that uh, Parker and I are vendors again. It's nice for us as well. So we had a good Friday, uh, Wednesday as well, as far as that's concerned. Yeah, 1,750 games. Now, let's go back to people's opinions of Ultraman. Was this like internal and external? Like, So people were seeing this game, they were playing it, and there was just a lot of head scratching, and people didn't think there'd be demand for Ultraman? Oh, internally? Uh, yeah, it, it was a head scratcher. Um, again, I mean, I, I knew what it was. And I'm like, oh, man, this is it felt really, really niche. I mean, I know Charlie's a big fan of it. He has a lot of like Ultraman. I think Charlie, Charlie's, you know, you know, that house that Gail Modotaro has that he doesn't live in. That's like his horror house. I don't know if you ever heard of this. Yeah, he basically has this house and then he, he puts all of his <laughs> accoutrement to use the, the, the predator word. Charlie's house feels like he's trying to do it like that. He's got like all sorts of like macabre stuff and yeah, I mean, if you go to his house, you'd expect him to make Creature from the Black Lagoon because, my God, he must have like eight sculpts of that monster in his house. Wow. Like there's like two in one bathroom alone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's also a lot of Ultraman. And I'd completely forgotten. Well, I didn't look at all the photos, but, you know, when he went on his trip to Japan, which apparently is the new trendy thing to do, or maybe it was the trendy thing to do, if you know what I mean. Uh, I know he saw like a lot of Ultraman mechas, so to speak. Uh, yeah, so obviously Charlie is incredibly well versed with it. Um, I, my initial thought was like, wow, this is very niche. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, apparently, from what I heard, it was actually pretty easy to work with. And then I don't know if it was in a in a, in a private message or on the forum, but um, uh, Rare Hero, you know, Greg, um, he made the comment. Oh, he's probably he's probably incensed that I'm bringing this up on your show. You know, are, are you guys frenemies? I can't remember. No, no, or, we're we're friends. You, yeah, okay. I know you and Orc play Street Fighter, right? Yeah. Um, but Greg says, he's like, this is amazing. This is basically the Japanese version of Batman 66. And I'm like, oh, that's a good way of putting it. And then when I played it the other day, and which is actually the first time I played it, well, at least with the skin, he's exactly right. That's exactly what it felt like because the music, the music, the tone, the sound effects, the speech, that's exactly what it feels like. So I guess if people are wondering kind of like the audiovisual feel of the game, right? that's Japanese Batman 66. So Ben, I have to ask you, I have to ask you because you've played these games now, what are they like to play? Because no one knows anything about gameplay. So I actually didn't play the finished Halloween with assets. I think we popped it open because we were talking about uh, board stuff. The games are very, well, obviously you can see from the photos, they're very mechanically dense. They've got like the three layers. Well, is it three layers or two? Oh, yeah, it's two layers of the upper play field. I think it, no, I think it's four layers with the main play field. 
So like there's three upper play fields with the fourth being the main play field. Yeah. And then, well, so, so when you're playing it, yeah. So there's ramps that, well, there's two ramps in particular that lead to the upper play field. And I don't, I don't know if they were visible from the, from the video, but it's pretty easy to get up to them. And then you qualify things when they're, when you're up there. And then of course, depending on the games, I don't know exactly how the Ultraman rules work, but I know in Halloween, um, one of the upper play fields represents the Strode home or maybe just homes in general, that what is it, Mike Myers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that also the guy that was like Shrek and Austin Powers? Yeah, there's a Michael Myers from SNL. Uh, but yes, there's a, and then there's the <laughs> horror guy with the knife. Uh, he's like, I, I'm Mike Myers, baby. Yeah. Um, so on Halloween, those two play fields, rep- one of them represents houses and the one represents the uh, insane asylum where uh, he escapes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's the distinction there. On Ultraman, I... I obviously the art's all different. I don't know what they're supposed to represent on Ultraman. I, I, I think I probably played about 10 games of it when I was there. Cause actually when I went down there the other day, uh, I wasn't even doing code stuff. I just took a road trip with another guy and we just, you know, we just went down there to like check stuff up and, you know, eat the delicious pizza they have. Now, Ben, one of the criticisms of prior spooky games is that they've been pretty, pretty tight, somewhat clunky. Um, people use mm-hmm. the word brick fest. Is this a friendlier game from them? I would say it's um, definitely friendlier than Alice Cooper, which I think had some really tight shots. Uh, compared to Rick and Morty, uh, Rick and Morty also, eh, I think it could have been smoother. I hope, you know, Charlie's probably going to kick me in the nuts, but I, I think it could have been. I know, I know they made some adjustments later on. This one definitely has a lot more depth. It kind of, in a way, it feels like Whitewater, where, you know, it's got like, actually, it's very much like that, where you've got like an upper play field or play fields. But then you also have some depth to the left of that, you know, where the wall has further to go. Mm-hmm. And that definitely makes it, I think it makes it easier to line up your shots. And then I think there's some confusion as to the ball lifters or whatever uh, that are on the in lanes. And those are basically subway returns. Okay. The shots on the left side of the game where the hedges are in, in, in Halloween and the buildings are, yes. and those go into a subway and the ball can go from there to the in lanes? Correct. I believe the shots on the left go into the left in lane. Yeah, the left inlane riser. And then on the right-hand side, uh, let's see, they've got the tombstone lock. There's another one over there that it's a general purpose scoop, and that feeds the right lane. I think something else feeds it as well. Remember, I didn't design these games. I've just played them. In. Right. And yeah, I'll go down there, but usually when I'm there, it's me and Fosma just troubleshooting code <laughs> so we're not we're not playing the game we're uh, basically making everything make sure everything works so i haven't had a lot of time on either and then the uh the returns it's a uh, rack and pinion a rack and pinion is there's a rack which is a linear actuator and the pinion is the gear that that moves it like old school that's how uh power steering used to work on cars okay uh yeah so the ball comes down and then it's lifted up but the ball can, there's like a flap, like a metal spring steel flap. So when the ball is lifted up from under the play field, it pushes the flap open and then feeds down into the lane. And then the ball is, if it's just rolling around the play field, it can just roll over that flap as well. Do the balls lock into those shots on the left side, those three different subway entrances? When Mike Myers pops out, you, you're supposed to hit, right? A certain shot. Do they lock there? You know, I actually am not sure. I know it feeds down into it, but I'm not sure how the code works. I think they probably do stage a ball i believe they said there's something like seven different ball locks or ball stops which is good for code i know sometimes people are like oh if there's too many stops you know it, it breaks up the flow but it also makes it easier to code versus games where the ball is just constantly moving like uh i don't know walking dead and there's no pop bumpers in this game correct yeah alice cooper didn't have any either interesting i mean it's pretty uncommon like uh shadow didn't have any pop bumpers if i yeah uh, the Brian Eddy game. Yep. You know, if I had to guess, um, I, I know sometimes people think that pop bumpers, they do take up a lot of space when you're designing a game. And they are, you know, from a gameplay standpoint, they're mostly for randomization. You know, like basically, you know, everything in the pinball is me- meant to make you lose the ball and lose your money. Yeah. So I think sometimes people expect them but i mean i personally like them because they're very pinball-y yeah there's no pop bumpers now the flow of the game does it have a lot of flow or is there a lot of stop and go with this game because you're going into those upper play fields like how would you sort of rate this in terms of the flowiness well it's not theater of magic uh when it comes to flow it probably has more flow than people expect because most of the shots return someplace like they either uh, i think there's a left habit trail that you can return to and then they also 
you know, you make a shot and the ball returns either down. Is there a right habit trail? I can't remember. Or it returns through the in lanes. Uh, so the ball's moving around a, a pretty good amount. Again, I, I didn't have a ton of games on it. Okay. Now, talk to me about Ultraman because you played that one with assets. And so it's got this campiness. How far along are these games? Is it is the code near complete on any of them or is there still work to be done? Uh, well... From what I played of Ultraman, it, well, I, again, I don't know what the rules are. I, I, of course, I don't understand anything about the theme. Uh, it, everything seemed to be there. I'm sure they're still going to be tweaking things. Um, are there a lot of clips from the show? In Ultraman, yes, there are. You don't, you don't recognize it, though, right? It's like you're well, playing it. You're like, I ah. know. I remember. Like, Ultra, it was, I believe Ultraman, he was big, kind of like Godzilla. So it's like a it's a guy in a suit, but it's basically like a giant man, I want to say. So he's like smashing buildings and stuff. It's very cheesy, um, but they have lots of the clips. And then they have uh, two different voices or two main voices that I heard. There's like a male main narrator, and then there's a female voice. And I believe that's the... Um, they got a, a actress who is actually Japanese or Japanese American or what have you. I believe they actually recorded all of her dialogue in both languages, and you can switch it in the menu. So you can actually have the game be Japanese if you want. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, Ben, I got to ask you too. Seventeen hundred and fifty games. Like that's a lot. This is a thousand more than Rick and Morty. Yeah. Is there any nervousness over there making these many now? Like, are they ready? Are they good to go? Well, I mean, I can't really speak for them. They definitely, oh man, hopefully Chris, or what's his name? Charlie doesn't like, like nuts. Oh, I'm not really saying anything proprietary. Um, I, I kind of expected that I would go down there and everyone would be like, you know, spraying champagne around each other and stuff like, like at the end of a football game or something. Not really. I mean, I think KT got like pizza for everyone. I think that was a reward, but uh, no, uh, basically, I, 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 I'm not surprised that they sold out. I didn't think the numbers were going to be that high. I thought they're going for more like a thousand Halloween and like maybe 200 Ultraman. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised they bumped it up that high. I know they are going to be at least two lines because they have a new building that they've added on to as well. I'm not sure the square footage on that, but I believe what they're doing is um, the new building is just assembly uh, slash, well, yeah, assembly and the existing building is the old building they've been in it for like what a year or 14 months excuse me the old building is just going to be i guess production be the word okay they've moved the laser in-house for instance which is good now they have a welding table there to my point that i was making about the champagne uh no well when i was there they were very much i mean we you know we were discussing some you know ideas and stuff and some tech stuff but they're basically you know they're like oh Okay, well, we sold them all. And then, so it's like all hands on deck for making sure that they can get it done. I know they, I think they said 18 months is their goal. It does seem like they're, because they actually did Rick and Morty ahead of schedule, even with the two-month COVID thing. So I, I know they're being pretty aggressive, but at the same time, as many everyone, everyone has noticed, like Spooky has grown at a reasonable speed or at a manageable speed. It definitely seemed like, you know, they weren't just like, you know, skipping around and like singing. They were like, okay, let's get this done. You know, like it, it sounds like games are going to be going on the line in, in the next few weeks. So this, this is going to turn on real soon and they're going to build both Halloween and Ultraman together, right? You said there's two lines of assembly. I know that one of their goals with the new building is to have more than one line as far as building the games concurrently. Um, I would assume they're doing that, but I can't speak to that. But what do you think, Ben, about the using the same design for two themes? Do you think Spooky showed other manufacturers like it worked for them, right? I mean, absolutely worked for them. I, I am actually kind of shocked that they didn't get a bunch of negative feedback for that. That is kind of what I expected. Yeah. People seemed OK with it because I think it's because they, they chose two disparate themes. You know, you've got this. Well, it's not even bloody at all, but, you know, you have a horror movie and then you have something really campy and fun for the kids. And I mean, honestly, yeah, again, when I first heard the theme Ultraman, I'm like, oh, OK, you'll sell one to Rob Burke. I don't know who else, but good luck with that. But I was wrong. So as I told Lucas, I'm like, we're never going to hear the end of this. And he's like, nope. The layout, too, right, is very sort of accommodating, if you will, to both themes, if you look at it, right? There's not like a big Les Paul guitar in the middle of like an Ultraman <laughs> game, you know? Well, again, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn, but that game started as 
a different intended license. I won't say which, but it was something that they just not really their their fault, but it was something that they probably weren't going to be able to get for a little bit um, just for license reasons. So I believe the idea was, okay, well, you know, we have this, it's ready to go. Um, the thing that's important to think, I don't know if this really helps the end user, but th- the game was designed by their staff. I mean, that's that's known, right? I assume. Yep. And it was designed in a way to be as manufacturable as possible. So it was like the upper play field. I think you can remove it with two screws or something. Yeah. So you can build that in one assembly area and just throw it right on pretty simply. Uh, yeah. Not just that. Um, like that, the board set that we made, the, the Pinatar, which is not, if you call it pin heck, Parker gets super triggered. Uh, it's, you know, it's mounted under the play field. Again, I'm surprised more people didn't complain about that. Let's talk about that. Why is it mounted there? Because it also saves time. Okay, again, I can't speak for the whole uh, process, but the existing way they make games, like how they made Rick and Morty, is they have a board assembly area, which is in one part of the building, and they'll put everything onto the bottom of the board. But to actually fire it up and test it, they have to take it down into the main line and then put it into a cabinet. Uh, so even though you know you've got the computer in the back, I, I think that the only thing in the back box of these games is like the little single board computer. Everything else is. Yeah, there's just a little single board computer and lights. So the back box is almost completely empty. Uh, then you just got a USB cable going down to the uh, to the, the Pinatar board. But an advantage with that, it's not necessarily the cost of the wire. You know, like, oh, there's more wire than a, a Ford Focus or whatever uh, Stern or Gary says. But it's the fact that you can mount the board to the game and then do basically like 99% of the wiring in one station because you have all of your I.O. peripherals on the same plane as your lights and your switches and whatnot. I think it was just kind of like a happy accident that the board fit under the play field. Right. And so as soon as Lucas saw that it would fit, he's like, oh, we got to do this. Is there a disadvantage to it, having it there? Uh, yeah. I mean, there could be disadvantages. Uh, vibration uh, could be a problem. Uh, hopefully static isn't a problem. Uh, it shouldn't. I mean, they've been testing it for probably about six months now like that. Uh, also, you know, there's like the stigma about it. Again, more like, what was it? Oh, the old Atari uh, pinballs like Roadrunner or Superman. They had the computer in the bottom of the cabinet and screws would fall onto it and cause short circuits. But obviously this would be upside down. And then, I mean, you saw that with um, Stern had that node board fix where they, put, gave, they gave you a zip tie to put around a MOSFET. But they were using stand-up through-hole MOSFETs where ours are surface mounts, so... They're not standing in the breeze, so they can't bend. You know, they're flat. Ben, do you, when you saw the sales on in one day, and not even a full day, like half a day, seventeen fifty spoken for, do you think it's the themes? Like, was Charlie like vindicated with this Ultraman theme, or is it just the market is so hot and games are going for so much money now, and distributors can't even keep anything in stock? Do you think some of it was that as well? I think it's a combination. Uh, there is more demand than supply with these machines. Uh, I think also if you think about, well, let's just be honest, COVID, you have a clientele that, let's also be honest, are at least upper middle class, if not rich, and they, they've they had less things to spend their money on. I mean, I know that's not entirely true. Like like around here, the north woods of Wisconsin, people were buying cabins sight unseen to escape the city. So, you know, there have been, you know, respites for the rich during these unprecedented times. But still, um, you know, they have the money. It's not like these people were losing their jobs at, uh, at uh, you know, the, the steel plant or something. And, yeah, there's a lot of demand. And, and if you think about it, they're really... When was the last turn really? What do you think about the whole, the fan club and, and, and creating that FOMO? Like, without it, do you think they would have had the success that they had? Um, I think a big part of maybe not the FOMO of Spooky, but why people like Spooky is I think, you know, I think they, they still have things they can improve on. You know, I think the games continue to get better. The art definitely has continued to get a lot better, as you always remind us. Uh, but I think a big part of it is um, I think people just like supporting Spooky because after all the misadventures in pinball, Spooky was one of the few success stories and they continue to be a success story. And I think people like that. Yeah. That's one of the reasons they support it. Well, and they really, with the playfield issues that have been plaguing Jersey Jack pinball, which you, which I've talked about to no end, apparently. Oh yeah. They've nailed it though. They've got the playfield quality down. Like what do you like what are they doing over there that no one else can figure out? Um, well, there's some proprietary things that I won't repeat. Uh I don't 
You know, I honestly know. If I had, well, Mirko is what Germany? It's somewhere in Europe, right? Yeah, Germany. I kind of wonder if there are some more regulations in the EU regarding solvents and whatnot that we don't have to deal with here. Maybe that's an issue. I just, I don't know. I, I know. I what Spooky, Spooky did that thing where they don't have the. Um, they don't have the ink or they don't, yeah, they, they don't print the ink under where a post might be. You know, they have like the wooden trap lines and whatnot. And Stern, Stern basically just makes things as cheap as possible. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's their thing. I'm sure that's not exactly, I'm sure that's not the problem that Jack has Jack or well, whoever runs the company, you know, they, they care more about quality. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's spooky. You know, even since the beginning, they basically just went out of the way to make really good play fields. I know they have like, destructo rigs tested up where they like f- throw balls around and test it all day and i don't know they've just done a really good job with it i mean i'm glad that their play fields have been holding up well i mean i i know i think tna had a few issues if i recall correctly and that's when they fixed the problem tna had some issues that is when they i believe they began to remove the artwork from around the post and then they haven't had any issues and the rick and morty has been bulletproof i mean i haven't seen anyone share a rick and morty playfield with any issues so there's a lot of confidence in the quality and then there's the goodwill and then you have the fomo right it was like a perfect storm for them and there really hasn't been many new inbox releases this year we've had mandalorian led zeppelin was pretty much beginning of the year and then nothing from american pinball nothing from your favorite deep root we'll talk a little bit about deep root and if we think Roz is coming out I, I did play a Mando last week. Yeah, what do you think of Mandalorian? It was a pro. Uh, it's all right. Um, I, I would say it's Brian Eddy, right? Yep. It shoots better than Stranger Things. Is, is, is Stranger Things, apparently that's like kind of like a, that's kind of a resurgence in popularity, the pinball, I mean. Yeah, the code came around. I think a lot of people are enjoying it, and I think the UV kit adds a lot to the atmosphere. So I, I'm hearing... A lot more positive stuff. You can't find one now. I mean, this is crazy. Like, Stranger Things went from being sitting on eBay for a year, the LEs were available, and then all of a sudden you snap your fingers and people think every Stern LE is now $15,000. It's crazy. The projector works better in person than the photos and video really do justice. It's it's actually pretty decent. I, I think, like, that big billboard in the middle that's kind of dumb i think it would have been more interesting if they did like projection mapping like they do in the what's that thing called the haunted mansion the ride you know but it's i mean it's it's a really cool concept and i applaud stern for you know trying that even if the game isn't really the greatest shooter and the demogorgon's mouth is like those rigged uh, uh games at the fair you know where they, they're meant to make you fail it's you know like if you do a shot up the middle it should go in his mouth no matter what uh but it doesn't um, yeah, but anyway, so yeah, speaking of Brian Eddy, so Mando definitely, I felt, shot better than Stranger Things. I know, I, I think I was talking about LCDs on Pinside just earlier today. It did seem like there was a lot of stop and go where it's like, oh, we paid big money for these video clips, so you're going to, there's going to be a video clip that's like 20 seconds long before something happens. I was like, oh, brother, just give me the ball back. Right. That, that, that I kind of noticed, and I couldn't really hear it in the environment that I played it in. Uh, but it seemed like a solid shooter. Stern games shoot great for the most part. I mean, they know how to make their games feel good. There usually is good flow in a Stern machine. And, you know, my whole thing with Mando is just like, for the subject matter, I just wanted there to be a little bit more innovation or something mechanically that wows you on the play field. And it it doesn't, I think there's more in Stranger Things that is actually like cool just to look at, right? You've got the UV kit, you've got the projector, you've got the... She grabs the ball 11 with the magnet lock on the upper part of the, the play field. There's nothing like that in Mando. But you know what, Ben? The Mando people are loving it. I see them loving it. And they're going to scream at me if I don't endorse it glowingly. So there you are, Mandalorian Ellie owners. I'm happy you're enjoying <laughs> your game with no force powers in it. Oh, I completely agree about in your podcast where you talk about how Grogu or whatever the thing is called should grab, you know, have the uh, outlane ball save like yeah. uh, GoldenEye or Alice Cooper. Would have been it. so cool. Yeah, because it fits the theme and Grogu was always saving Mando's ass. I mean, yep. it, uh, I don't know how they missed that. And I heard the the magnet grab that he does is, is not good. He just keeps throwing the ball in the same place over and over. Like, it's not fun to see that. Like, it just... Why not down by the shoot again, have the magnet there, and then have... 
you know, a drawing, it wouldn't even, I mean, a drawing of Grogu and having his hands like reached out in, you know, Jedi fashion, like he's forming an orb around the magnet and then he grabs a magnet. So even if there's not a toy involved, you still have the thematic element of, oh, there's an image of Grogu. Oh, oh, and he's grabbing the ball, even though it's through art and saving Mando. I, no, I completely agree. That would have been. Yeah. No, that would just made, it would have just made too much sense to do that. So let's do what we always do. And well, and it's, and it's stern. So technically, yeah, they made the goal. GoldenEye game because that was Data East or Sega. No, it was well, whatever. It was Stern, you know, back in like '95, and that movie came out. So they probably have the Mac somewhere in their archives. Well, the Mac—it's a magnet with code. It's not a Mac. So let's mm-hmm. talk about a little bit because you're very active, Ben, in the in the Deep Root thread. It seems to be the place you go and just to have some oh, some laughs. I, I I love stirring the pot on the internet. So what do you think? Do you think it's going to happen? And by that, I just mean Raza shipping. My my theory this spring was that they're going to just give up and they're just trying to do it as gracefully as possible. And they're, my thought was they were going to offer refunds and then say, well, we had too many refunds to make this viable, so we can't go forward. The crazy thing is they offered refunds, but not many people took it. And you know, that reminds me of, well, it was a Broadway play and a movie, The Producers. There are these movie producers, the producers, and they go around like getting all this money from like little old ladies, basically con investors. Again, yeah, sound familiar? And the idea is they, they want this money for a movie, but if they if the movie if they make the movie and then the movie flops, they can hide all of the money that they didn't spend. But only if the movie flops. If the movie's successful, they're screwed. It's kind of like a short sale on stock. Right. right? So then the, and so the movie, oh yeah, okay, the movie that they make is called Springtime for Hitler. Oh, it's springtime for Hitler and Germany, yeah. winter for Poland and France. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's they're making a musical glorifying Hitler. So basically, it's, it's supposed to fail. But then, I think in the movie, what happens is the movie that they make is seen as like this kish classic, like a Rocky horror. And so it's successful... And therefore, their scam doesn't work because their scam required it to be a flop. I mean, again, I'm not saying that was Deep Root's intention, but I was kind of thinking maybe they're like, okay, if we get a run in the bank, that gives us an out. But yeah, maybe there wasn't a run on the bank because, again, a redneck buys a $1 scratcher and thinks nothing of it. These pin people, they put down $2,000 or whatever on a deposit. They think nothing of it. You know, it right. scales. But it just seems like they're trying to build the ship in the ocean, right? I mean, you know how hard it is to, <laughs> to make a pinball manufacturing. It's a good analogy. Does the number of cars in the parking lot equal their further along? Or like, that's all we've got is cars and parking lots. I mean, I've said, I've said this on the topic many times. The only way, well, of course, logic doesn't seem to apply to them anyway. But if it was a real endeavor that was actually trying to make money, it only works is if, if they have another game ready to go after they poop out 125 mag- uh, not mag- Razas. 122. 122 Razas, which, well, again, theme is everything. But Ultraman, I mean, Ultraman beat it easily. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, Do you think when they saw Ultraman sell that many... I mean, how did they not just be like, what are we doing? Like, what, like all this effort, all these millions, 122. People trust Spooky, you know, they, that's a big part of it. And, you know, Deep Root, if, you know, if, if, if they make some games and give confidence, of course, you know, confidence is where the term con comes from, because you have to give people confidence <laughs> first. But, you know, if people have confidence that they would put their money in, uh, yeah, it's, but even then, I, I th- I would have thought Raza would have sold like 300. I mean, it's a colorful game. It looks good. I mean, the theme is completely, I'll use this word again, disparate. It's not just Deep Root. It's the J-pop legacy of never being able to build a game it has stuck with his reputation and this title. And so if Robert wanted there to be confidence, why won't he show production ramping up? I, that's the part I don't even get. Like, even for the people who in, who gave deposits in December... They have not seen a single photo or video of anything happening behind the doors there. That's scary. You remember when you, way before other people, talked about Kevin Kulik and the pile of bones on his mother's kitchen table? You remember that? Yeah, at least he had he was doing it. Right, but even though it was a stupid pile of bones on, on his mother's kitchen table, 
He did that to build confidence. Yep. And and Deep Root's not even doing that. But if you think about it from a legal standpoint, because remember, Robert's a lawyer, and when your only tool is a hammer, every problem is a nail. Something else to consider, and this is also what formulated my theory, if he did release photos to build confidence and then didn't make anything, that might make him legally liable, right? like culpable for building confidence when you know there was no hope. Maybe that's why he hasn't done it. I mean, remember, he is a lawyer, and he probably doesn't – I mean, because – Thing is, and he could talk a big game and threaten people, but he has taken a lot of money from investors. And I mean, who cares what someone says on pin side when you got the SEC out there? They took a lot of government payroll money. They were taking PPP loans this April, not yeah. last April. Yeah. This April in a state that was only closed for one month. That is, oh, uh, that, that is not good. You know, like, you know, I could see if it was like California or one of these states or or like where you live. But yeah, that that's pretty fishy. But I guess my point is, yes, maybe the reason they haven't shown any photos of confidence is because they don't want to build false confidence because they've already figured out what their exit strategy is. But they were supposed to be an update, but there hasn't been one, right? Yeah, the latest is maybe July 18th or 19th. Now, but they did go on podcasts in December back when the order banks were opening up and they were telling people games would ship in six to eight weeks from those podcasts. And I mean, here we are six to eight months later and no games. So, but there's no new orders that they'll take on Raza, which is another reason why, Ben, like, I don't think it even matters, right? What do you think their, their game is or their strategy is? I just think now it's 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 a pride thing and the money is almost like irrelevant because if they were to actually charge for each Raza what what has gone into Deep Root Pinball and Tech and Studios, I think each game would be like three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so like it, it's you, you you do the numbers. Yeah, and, even, and even if you didn't armatize the total cost of production, whatever they're spending to build it, I'm sure is well beyond what they charge. Right. And I look at these beautiful, like, studio work that they did for Food Truck. Like, those animations are phenomenal for, for a pinball game, right? I mean, this is this is an industry yeah. that just had dots. Oh, but now it's like, where does it go? Like, where's the game to put that into? And if Food Truck is your next title, we, we, we can't forget that Andrew Highway had Alien to keep people going. He, he knew he had a blockbuster theme. I've never seen a company need sales so much like deep root but how do you get it with food truck this isn't mandalorian right this is not like a take my money now theme and i'm just curious what they're gonna say this month because if it's another delay i i don't know man i don't know if you see games before december i mean i just i it's hard to say right because like something else to think about rich people rich people don't want to be in cash right now with the inflation we have going on. So they probably would rather have $2,000 in a mythical Raza than in the bank, you know, because they all, they don't care about the game. They just want this rare thing that they can put in their basement. Like, Oh, look, I have one of 222 games. And unlike America's most haunted, it's really good looking, even though I, I guarantee you it's not as good as the game. Um, I think, I think that's a big part of it. So, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? Like these rich people, they don't want to be in cash right now. They're they're not dumb. Well, and that's that's been the gamble with Raza has been if it does come out, there's this sort of grail item they will talk themselves into feeling and you know, but you got to go down the the road further than that. And you got to go down the road of am I going to get support? There's a lot of rare video games that are crap. It's like people don't buy them because they're good. They buy them because they're rare. Uh, Little Samson maybe is the exception. Oh, yeah, just one more thing before you talk about the parts, uh, as I brought up earlier, was um, so to make it a going endeavor, okay, we're only going to make 122 Razas. Okay, maybe that's how you get your line spooled up, right? Like, oh, we're going to do this. But then you have to have a game ready to go immediately afterwards, especially now with this worker shortage, which totally is a real thing. It's not a myth. Like, you have to keep the line going because if you lose the people, you have to rehire and retrain, which is one thing that screwed Jack a couple years ago, right? So they have to have a game 
okay, maybe Roz is a, it is a joke. The sales are pathetic, but they have to have something ready to go after that. And it's not going to be food truck. They are, they are, their food truck. If it was lucky, it would do like Oktoberfest numbers. Nobody gives a crap. And I've said this about American pinball many times, but I guess I'll reiterate it here. American pinball, because I know you brought them up a few minutes ago as well. They don't understand themes. They don't understand wish fulfillment. They don't understand desirability or mythicism. Like, you play something like you want to be well maybe you don't want to be as fat as axel rose but you want to be as famous as axel rose or you want to be a night demon slayer or you want to be rick or morty you know you want to have a fantasy right but you have something like oktoberfest what's the fantasy like i can go get drunk in october there's no wish fulfillment there like if i want to go get drunk i can have more fun doing that getting drunk than playing a pinball hot wheels Hot Wheels is for like eight-year-old boys who dream of having their driver's license. They're selling these guys, these cars to guys who have, you know, they have, what's your thing, a Dodge Demon, right? Like there's no wish being fulfilled. And same thing with food truck. Oh, boy, I sure wish I could work in a sweaty food truck. Right. Right. What's the, you know what I'm saying? What's the fantasy? What's the wish fulfillment? Well, and the problem with Hot Wheels is the actual Hot Wheels toys that cost 20 or 30 bucks are more fun than the pinball machine. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to yeah. see Hot Wheel do a loop de loop and jump, and I want to take it through the car wash. I can't do any of that in the pinball machine that costs thousands of dollars. Great job, AP. Yeah, they could have had two cars, st- same car, but one's like, you know, distressed, whatever the movie term is. It goes into the car wash, and then they like sequence out the clean car. Like, that would have been cool, right? It would have been amazing. Yeah. It would have been a great moment of that game. Uh, oh, but yes. Nope. That's what. That's what we want, people. That's what we want. We want moments in pinball. Uh, it's, it's the main thing. It's the main thing. So, okay. So, Deep Root, Raza, we'll see. AP, do you think they're going to get a game out? And if they do, they keep saying it's going to be a game from a junior designer. So, it's probably going to be one of these unlicensed themes like Legends of Valhalla. Oh, it's Legends of Valhalla, isn't it? That's what I heard. Yeah. Well, that's what I've been saying. So, you might have heard it for me. but Oh, but get this. This is what I heard. It's Legends of Valhalla, but they've renamed it to Rampage colon something Vikings. Wait, is that is that what you heard? Yes. What have you heard? So no. So, but you actually heard that they're renaming it like Viking Rampage or something like that. I heard it's Rampage, and I'm like, oh, because you've heard me say that Rampage would be a really cool pinball machine. But it's not Rampage like the video game Rampage. It's it's still Viking it's- themed. It's like a Viking game, and then it's called Rampage or Rampage Quest for Valhalla or something. Ah, so that's probably why Michael Grant told me to take down my post because it's not technically Legends of Valhalla. It is Rampage something interesting. So he's... he's, Yeah, you're connecting some dots. mm, (laughs) See, look, AP, we just spoiled your plans. Canada's Pinball Podcast and Ben Heck always... Always bringing you new Always information to ruin the day. Well, see, it's, it's like one of those movies where we take we take the sift dagger and we plug it into like the holo crux or whatever Harry Potter had, and then we figure out the the thing. Um, but thing is, nothing against Scott, but no, people don't want unlicensed themes. Yeah, and they and they're still saying they're going to do that. Like half of our games are going to be unlicensed, and it's like why. I think what happens is they look back to the 90s of Williams and they had this romanticism about the unlicensed themes that were successful, even though by the time they got to like 1995, they're great games, but they weren't nearly as successful as the games from the early 90s. And yes, it is because of the part of the decline of arcades, but all like the 10K sellers from the early 90s, it was Terminator 2, it was Star Trek Next Gen, it was, uh, what was the other one? Twilight Zone, all licensed games. How do you think uh, Cactus Canyon Remake does? Oh, I, I have no idea. I just, I just hope they get it out soon because that makes my game sooner. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess here's the question: Like, are they? What are they doing with the code? I, I have no idea. They, no, they've completely revamped the code. Mm. Cactus Canyon is a very mechanically satisfying game. You know, it has like those quick draw things, which they kind of borrowed in the Stern Jurassic Park. It's got that mechanical cowboy you can hit. It's got like the mine car. With better rules applied, I think it could be a pretty cool game because there's a lot of physical satisfaction on the playfield. And it's going to have the most amazing topper they've ever done to date, which we all know the topper is the most important part of a pinball game these days. Hey, CGC's toppers are pretty badass. They're great. You know what's crazy, though, Ben, is I, I collect some anime statues. And if you look at the world 
of sculpting and molding and 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 it's so silly what people spend a thousand dollars on two thousand dollars on for these toppers go look at any of these intricate statues that you know anime fans collect and they're they're like a couple hundred bucks and they would be the greatest pinball toppers of all time <laughs> it's it's but it's amazing how we have tunnel no, vision i i no you're completely right the economies of scale is completely different and you're not wrong you know like spooky throws it in for free but you know some of these toppers you look at these games and it's like flat piece of plastic 200 bucks 300 bucks i remember when they were talking about the halloween topper and i don't know if it it was, I think it might have been KT that suggested that, and I'm like, oh yeah, you just got to have a put, have a slit in the top of the playfield so the knife, can, like stab it. Oh, I'm sorry, have a slit in top of the back box so the knife can stab into it because again, there's nothing in the back box. And yeah, it's very cool. You know, well maybe, maybe I'm biased because I have an older house with you know low, you know my ceilings in my basement are only like seven feet tall, but I don't I don't understand why people love toppers, but whatever, to each their own. Now, Ben, your theme is licensed, and are you working? Your are you, and you getting all the assets you want for your theme? We haven't really gotten to that point yet. Um, it's in the engineering stages right now. Yeah, uh, Pete Petrowski, who worked on uh, uh, Champion Pub, is the mechanical engineer and also working on the uh, playfield. He's doing a fantastic job. I'm really excited for people to see it. Well, all I'll say is that. When you talk about games where there's not enough magic on the playfield, this one has all the magic on the playfield. So, all right, now we're excited. When next year or the year after next? I have no idea. It's probably a ways off. Um, Can Spooky make it if CGC's just dragging their feet? Uh, Doug's already invested a lot in uh, what Pete has done, so I'm pretty sure it's still going to be a CGC game. I mean, again, I, I shouldn't really speak to that. It's, I mean, it's okay. Like I. I have other stuff I can do. I mean, I mean, really, for me, I just have to wait to get to Whitewood so I can program it and put assets in and whatnot. How far are you from that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure right now they've got all hands on deck on, well, obviously it's Cactus Canyon. I don't think that's a secret. Uh, so I really don't know. It's the, Pinball is a very long, drawn-out process. However... You know, now that we got our boards back into Spooky, I'm fine to just take that money. You know, I'm not... I'm not that greedy of a person, so I'm fine waiting. I got other things I can do. It will, it will be a really, uh, really mechanically satisfying game. There's, there's one mech in it that has never been seen before, and it's one of those things. As soon as people, as soon as people see it, they will probably copy it. So it's like fingers crossed. Nobody else does it first. What well, did you pad in it? Did you do the old J-pop and file a pad in? And uh, that was not my place to do that, but yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, we're excited for those new listeners to Canada's Pinball Podcast after almost 600 episodes. Ben is working on a game with Chicago Gaming Company in uh, in conjunction with Spooky, right? So there's some overlap? Yes, there is some. Yeah, so um, we, we will see. And it is a licensed theme, and it is a rebranding of the game I was working on at Spooky about four years ago. So it has... Yeah, can I ask you, is, is Mr. Franchi doing the art? I, you know, I don't know. I think at one time they were thinking that he would. I actually don't. I, I can't. I can't tell you at this time. Um, I mean, I'd be happy to work with him. I certainly have an idea of what kind of style I think the art should be in, which I I hope someone more talented than myself will work on. Unlike America's Most Haunted, as he always liked to bring up. Nobody wants you to touch the art, Ben. Not even you. Not you even know what? you. I. I. I you know what? I would love to commission someone to redo the playfield on America's Most Haunted just to spite you. Good. I'll do it. I could do a better job. I literally could do a better job. I can, you give me a blank piece of wood and, and a Sharpie marker and it'll come out better. Oh, man. That would be so cool if we did like America's Most Haunted with the new art package. Yeah, the Canada the Collector's I, Edition, one of one. I bet it would sell, but we said 150, unfortunately. Yeah, no, it's 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 fine, but maybe one day we'll do it. He didn't have, well, I, I shouldn't say we because I did, but Spooky didn't have any money back then. It was like we yeah. had no money. Uh, so no, We could tell by looking at the game. <laughs> no, 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 think, no, I know, but hear me out, hear me out. Your, your typical art package, I don't know, say it's like 20K. Yeah, around there. 50% of the budget would have been just the art based off what spooky spooky startup funding which was charlie's life savings right so you're talking like i mean that's like what deep root would do you spend half your money on art and we didn't do that and thousands of games later can you imagine if deep root have had actually 
absorbed Spooky back in the day. Like, yeah. So you you told us before, but Robert tried to acquire Spooky Pinball, and what did he say? He thought the J-pop games would sell how many units? Oh, I'm not quite ready to tell that whole story. I'm going to wait until they're dead and buried before I tell that story, which I will. Tell it here, please. Please tell it on Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll just briefly say, if Robert sold the investors on those levels of projections and then sold 122 units, uh, he, he should be, I would be, I would be worried. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone shared with me once too. I, I, I'm trying to find the file, but they were, um, they got asked to look at the projections for P3 multimorphic. And it was another one of these like pretty high numbers. And I'm like, oh man, they're nowhere near these sales. Um, how did Jerry take the news when you switched over to your board? I know he was providing the P-Rock boards for the spooky games. I'm sure he hates my guts. <laughs> I love the honesty of Mr. Ben Heck. No, that's all right. I don't mind having an arch nemesis. It's kind of fun. He, you've outboarded him. How does it feel? <laughs> hey, you know, you know, I'm 45 years old. I, I think about the old computers and like what really made them successful, like the Commodore, and it was being cheap. So your your board is more cost-effective, I take it. I believe so. I mean, I can't speak to the exact numbers, but that was our, that was one of our main, that, well, no, that was our main goal. <laughs> and hey, now that we have a world of part shortages, a pinball system that runs off a single microcontroller is a boon because you only have to buy one microcontroller instead of five. And you've designed these, this is for pinball, right? I mean, and it, it does everything a pinball machine needs to do. There's no limitations with your board. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, you'd run out of switches eventually, but um, you could also use it for redemption games. And we're also talking about making a miniature version of it called the Minotaur, which would have approximately one-third of the capabilities and obviously a lower price. That could be used to drive a simpler pinball machine or perhaps a simple redemption game. Or if you need more functionality than what the Pinotaur has, you could buy a Minotaur and put both of them in the same game. Although hopefully that wouldn't come to that because then that makes the price go up, but... Well, very cool. Ben, I always appreciate you taking the time. Or, or I think we're just a little bit out of our, our mark. So any anything else on your mind in the world of pinball that you want to uh, let our listeners know about? Well, I mean, it's it's cool to see the evolution of Spooky. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people, you know, sometimes they just think I'm some sort of blowhard on the Internet. Well, I am, but I'm more than that. You know, I mean, I was there at the very beginning. It's quite interesting to see how it's grown. I, yeah, I remember what Charlie... Originally, he was going to start a pinball company. I thought he was crazy. It is a crazy idea. But if I could go back in time, I would have, you know, I would have been like, okay, I'll, I'll match your startup funds. <laughs> that would have been a good investment. But of course, if I could go back in time, I tell myself to buy GameStop, and I would also tell, I'd be like, <laughs> no, think about. It. It's like I could go. You or I could go back in time and tell us. We could go back in time to December and say, hey, drop fifty k into uh gamestop come back to like march and we, we'd be like multi-millionaires yeah but the reason why people love spooky right is th there's no shortcuts in life and that's why like gamestop and dogecoin and bitcoin yes absolutely we all wish we took those shortcuts but the truth is to wake up every day and feel fulfilled you need to make something you're proud of and you know yeah. you can't rely on a lottery ticket stock pick and look I, w would i love to have done that sure but there's a reason why most lottery winners die broke because they didn't earn it well lot lottery winners or wanting to win the lottery that's the dumb redneck i don't want to do anything path to success mm -hmm. but the thing is actually taking a risk risking your own money your own time your family's you know well-being that's a risk and a lot of people aren't comfortable doing it and charlie did it he took a massive risk and you know that's capitalism you take a massive risk you could get screwed or it could pay off massively and i think one of the things you know maybe to close one of the things that people like about spooky maybe almost on a subconscious level and it is in a way it's the american dream like you've got this guy who's a very normal guy he's not like oh i don't know a rich investment lawyer for instance he's just this guy who's got like a blue collar job and he lives in this town. He's got like, you know, two kids or, you know, 2.5 kids and a dog, you know, a little house. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to start a company. And through the sweat of his brow, he makes it work. And it's, I think that's what 
what attracts people is because you know you're not just investing in a, in a in a game you're investing in the idea of the american dream and that's really what that is and that's attracted to people because you know it's someone who starts from you know more or less nothing and they accomplish that so people like rewarding that because deep down even if we don't well of course most of these people are rich but deep down we like to reward that because it reinforces our idea of what you know the american dream should be look and i'm going to say it most of the people buying these games who are wealthy they probably had the same journey i mean there might be some people yes, who inherited yes. the money but they they respect that and and it well, shows yeah. let's be honest this this isn't cnn we know that a, a lot of rich people didn't you know they you know i could have sold books online when i was 22 and ended up like jeff bezos but i wasn't i was too busy screwing around right yeah it's you're right. Yeah, I, you're exactly right. Like people like, hey, that was me 20 years ago. I'm going to support in a way me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's and, and you know, what the other part, too, is they're very transparent. They're part of the community. I, I mean, I love seeing them on. They're like the only pinball company that's actually in their own thread connecting with their customers. Wow. There's a novel idea. Yeah, well, I mean, it's because you know they have they have a you know pretty good reputation, so they they know they're not going to just get flamed the whole time. But you could tell them like I think Rick and Morty shoots like crap, and they're not going to like deactivate their account. They'll take it. No, no, they'll just be like okay, well, well, or they'll you know that we'll make sure the next game you know shoots even better. And I try to do that too. Like you know, I'll go on Pinside and I'll rile people up, and I'll like, but you know, it's like well, that's Ben. You know, there's it's just honesty, and so I think. People appreciate that, like with Spooky or, or, or whoever. It's like, you know, it's accessibility. I love a good, honest troll, especially when his name is Ben Heckendorn. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time. Always appreciate it. And I look forward to uh, to having more stories from you come onto the airwaves and, and give this, this little meager podcaster in New York City a fifth twippy. It could happen. Five in a row. There it is. Five and five. <laughs> well, I mean, you went four in a row. You might as well keep going, right? You're like Meryl Streep. It's never been done before. We're in uncharted territory. It's like, you know, we're going to start throwing around the word dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Have a great night, and thank you so much for coming on. No problem. This one's for you and me. Living out our dreams. Where are right where we should be. With my arms out.